0: Well, we talked about faith. We've been talking about faith for the last, oh, this is the 41, 41st lesson we've actually covered on the subject of faith. We've gone over a lot of things that the New Testament tells us about faith. Oh, ye have little faith, so great faith, Jesus, he in their faith, the faith hath made thee whole, a woman, great is thy faith. How is it that ye have no faith? And how about uh, have faith in God? Have Thy faith hath saved thee. Lord, increase our faith. Shall Jesus find faith on the earth and lots of different things that we've talked about in the last 40 weeks. This is the 41st week that we've talked about this idea of faith. Last week we talked about uh, uh, Paul really is takes Galatians and makes it a very big, strong argument about faith versus works. Then we uh, heard from um, Joe last Sunday night and did a good job on Galatians chapter one telling us a little bit about the conflict that was there how Paul got right to the point in trying to uh, uh, meet the, the, uh, the argument head on well here in Galatians chapter three and chapter four a very very strong argument Paul goes through actually six different arguments that he takes and he he argues first from the personal uh, uh, aspect of things oh foolish Galatians who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth." Whose, "...before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learned of you received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, and are now made perfect by the flesh?" Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? And so in these first verses here, Paul is basically saying, don't you remember how you got saved? Don't you remember that your salvation was a, was a faith experience? You know, Jesus Christ was crucified. You saw the fact that He was crucified. You realized that He was crucified for your sins. And, and that's how it all started for you. Why do you think that you started this by faith and now you're going to continue this by works? That just simply isn't the way it happens. So that's his personal argument, basically going back to the time when they got saved and, and, and just saying to them, hey, uh, this is, you've got to understand this is not how it began for you. It began as a, a faith walk, and it's going to continue that way. And so today he, we're going to talk about the fact that uh, he has a scriptural argument. And the scriptural argument, basically he pulls scriptures from the Old Testament and he just takes his argument and he makes his argument through, through six Old Testament scriptures that he takes and he pulls out and he's basically telling them, listen, this is how it began all the way back in the Old Testament with Abraham and this is how God planned to bless the nations through Abraham. Abraham you know, believe God, I was counted to him for righteousness. And then God says that he will be the source of blessing for many nations. And the source that he's going to be is a spiritual source. Not only is Jesus Christ going to be provided through his, his, you know, his offspring, but also the faith that Abraham had is the faith that every person who ever comes to Christ needs to have from any nation, not just the Jewish nation, but any nation. Because in him all the nations will be blessed. And the only way you're going to be blessed is you have to have the faith that old Abraham had. Because you're not going to be blessed just because you're a Jew. You're not going to be blessed just because you're an American. You're not going to be blessed because you're, uh, you know, a Chinese guy or a Japanese guy. It has nothing to do with your, your uh, physical origin. It's your spiritual origin that's, in, that's important, you see. And our spiritual origin comes through Abraham. So we're going to talk about that today. And I don't know if we'll get through all of it. We'll just see how far we can get. But he has six different uh, scriptures that he brings to light here. And he kind of builds this thing scripturally to help them to understand, listen, this is how it started for you. And this is how it continues, and this is how God meant for it to happen. So let's have a word of prayer, and we'll look at here the uh, the blessing of Abraham is through faith. That's my title here, the blessing of Abraham is through faith. And we're going to look at verses number uh, 6 through 14 if we get that far. Lord, we thank you for this argument, this, this uh, logical sequence of thought that helps us to understand how faith was actually how it began and how it continues in the course of history and how, Lord God, you want to bless all of us in the very same way. And it's not people coming to, 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 to Christ in different ways. It's all the same way. We all come to Christ through faith. Abraham did back then before the law was even given. And uh, and it's all the same for us today. And so, Lord, help us, I pray. Give us wisdom. Open our eyes. Give us eyes to see. Give us minds that are engaged. To help us to understand this whole concept That it's not of works, but it's of faith. And help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, again, uh, uh, Paul's going to prove that salvation is by grace alone and not by works of the law. The Judaizers came in. They had used every possible means to try to capture the churches of Galatia. And Paul was not going to fight half-heartedly at this. He is going to... uh, uh, he labored hard for these people, and he wants to make sure that they continue in the things that they have taught. And uh, so the apostle was no amateur when it came to debate. He obviously learned well, and so his arguments are going to be based on his, and the Lord gives him ability. And the Lord gives us ability in different ways. Paul, obviously, having an understanding of the Old Testament scriptures, uh, is able to take us right back to where it all began. And so he says in, I'm going to look down to verse number six here, because that's kind of where we're starting. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted him for righteousness. Okay, so right there in verse 6 and verse 7, it says, Know ye therefore, that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. Now, he's not talking about the physical children of Abraham. He's talking about the spiritual children of Abraham. Those that are of faith, okay, that's your origin, all right? You are of the same lineage, if you would, spiritual lineage, as Abraham was. You see, because you go all the way back to Genesis and you find out that Abraham was blessed because he believed God and God accounted that to him for righteousness. He believed God, God accounted it to him for righteousness. In other words, Abraham didn't have a righteousness that was due to the law. You see, well, how do you know? Because the law wasn't even given yet. <laughs> there was no law yet, you see. The law was given in Moses, all right? That's when the law, and, Mo, and Abraham came well before Moses. And so the law wasn't even on the scene yet, you see. So Abraham just believed God, and, and he, as a result of it, God accounted him for righteousness. And so Paul begins to base his argument on what the Old Testament taught. God clearly acknowledged the faith that he was looking for was found in Abraham. You see, God looks about and he's looking for people who will believe him and trust him. Way back in Genesis, he found a man who sincerely trusted him and he found that in Abraham. And so Abraham possessed the faith that God was looking for in man okay So back in Genesis we see it in a man and then as time goes on we see it in a tribe and then before we see it in a nation and then we see it you see as history progresses, you see and now we see it in many nations, but it all is the same faith you see that has, that the thread goes through all of these different expansions of faith. It's all the same faith that Abraham had way back there in Genesis. And that's where it all began. Genesis chapter 15. Because actually Paul is quoting here to begin with Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 6. Where God says he believed that Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So again he's quoting Old Testament scriptures to provide a foundation for his argument. So he makes a point in his argument and he's saying look. This is where it began, Galatians. It began with Abraham. And Abraham, he got saved by faith, not by the works of the law. The works of the law didn't even exist back then, you see. He trusted God. God counted him for righteousness. In other words, God placed the righteousness of God on Abraham's account because Abraham put his faith in God. God saw that faith and he said, it's the faith of Abraham that I'm looking for, you see. It's the same faith. That's, it's not, again, not physical, it's the spiritual lineage that God is looking for here. And so, essentially he's saying, don't you understand that the people who live by faith are truly the sons of Abraham? Not the physical sons, but the spiritual sons of Abraham. So that's what he brings out first in Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 and verse 7. And he founds this on Genesis chapter 15 And verse 6, where it says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness, and the he who believed was Abraham. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. All right, then he goes to this next point in his argument, verses 8 and 9, and he says this And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, in thee shall all the nations be blessed. Now look, God always meant for salvation to go to all men. That's always been the plan of God. He needed somebody to carry the truth to men. He started off with Abraham, and then he went to a family, okay? uh, Basically, the, the Jacob's family, which was basically the... Jacob was renamed to Israel, and so he started with a man, and then he went to a family, and then he ended up with a tribe, which became 12 tribes of Israel. But God has always had somebody to be able to communicate, this is his plan, this truth to mankind. So Abraham was the kind of the start of this thing, okay? Because this is after the flood, okay? Noah's off the scene. The old world kind of is gone out of the way now, all right? So Abraham is the guy on the scene. And so he is the one that had this right here. And now listen to what it says. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, the heathen is basically, these are the people who don't know Christ, all right? These are the unsaved nations. The Scripture, foreseeing that God would do this, it says here, Preached the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So he's saying the faith that Abraham possessed was the faith that was going to save everyone of any nation. Or anyone of any nation, it might be a better put to put, put that way, you see. It was the faith that Abraham had. It's not the faith that the, the, the Muslims had. It wasn't the faith the Chinese had. It wasn't the faith that all the other world religions had as they were developing over the course of years and time. It was the faith that was in Abraham that God was looking for. And so this is what he's saying here. All of the nations that ever come to Christ will be saved through the same faith that Abraham was saved through. You see? And that's what it's bringing out here. He says, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. God blessed faithful Abraham. And God will bless everybody else who puts the same faith in God as Abraham put in God. You see, that's what he's saying. So the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. How do we know this? The statement, in thee shall all the nations be blessed. Blessed. Well, where is that found? You find that in Genesis chapter 18, in verse number 18. You find it in Genesis chapter 22, in verse number 18. You find it again in Genesis chapter 26, and verse number 4. And actually, you find it many times in the Scripture, because that same blessing ended up going to Jacob, and it ended up going to the, the, the children of Israel, as, you know, God blessed Abraham, then God blessed uh, Jacob, then God blessed um, uh, his, his children, and so on like that, Isaac. All right? That was the same line they all, you see, they put their faith in God, and that's the, fi- the line that God was working through to communicate this. In thee shall all the nations be blessed, Genesis eighteen eighteen. seeing that Abraham shall surely come a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. They would be blessed because Christ would come through him, And they would be blessed because he possessed the very faith that God was looking for in mankind. So those two factors, you see, are the things that God was looking for in men. It doesn't matter what nation they were part of, you see. Today, people are getting saved in Afghanistan. People are getting saved over there in Iraq. People are getting saved in China. People are getting saved in the U.S. People are getting saved in Africa. You know what it is? It's the same faith that God saw in Abraham. It's the same faith that these people are getting saved by in all the different nations all around the world. Same faith. And so he's pointing out to the Galatians because here the Judaizers come back in and say, oh, no, 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 you know, so, you you see, you've got to do the works of the law. And Paul's going to address this in just a second here. You see? And and he's saying, no, don't be so soon removed from the very faith that you got saved. Don't be confused now and revert back to the things you used to believe. You weren't saved by works. You were saved by faith. And you're not going to go to the next steps in your Christian life by works either. You see? So he's making this argument. So, they will be blessed by the Savior that, they proceed, that would proceed from Abraham. And again, this, this, this is not physical. This is a spiritual lineage. The plan of God was to justify the heathen the same way he did Abraham, by faith. Okay? Step number three, or shall I say argument number three that Paul goes on. Verse number 10. And verse number 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Okay? So what he's doing now is he's going to say, okay, if you're going to go this way, you have to understand what you're what you're doing to yourself, okay? If you're going to put yourself under the works of the law, you have to understand that there is a curse that is associated with the works of the law. And if you're going to do this, this is what's this is the in other words, you've got to understand, this is the consequence of it. All right? So he says, here, for it is written, cursed is everyone that it continueth not in listen to the next words, all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So Paul is Pointing out to them, now wait a second now, if you want to go this direction, let me understand what you're, let me help you understand what you're putting yourself under. You're putting yourself not only under the works of the law, you're putting yourself under the curse of the law. Because you are cursed if you don't do every single thing the law demands. So when you put yourself back under there, you're basically condemning yourself. Because there's no way you have ever done it, and there's no way you ever will do it. You haven't done it up to this point, and you will not do it ever again. And even the fact that you haven't done it up to this point ruins the fact that you can't do it from now on. James points this out, and we'll get to that verse in just a second here. So, he says, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in, very key here, in all things. Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things. That means all the points that the law brings to light. If you're going to live under the law and you want to be in the sight of God because of your law-keeping, then you've got to keep it all. Every bit of it. All the moral law, all the ceremonial law, you've got to keep it all. And he says here, uh, which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now here's what it says. Here's the foundation. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse number 26. Cursed he be he, that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say, Amen. That's what it says. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people said, Amen. So, again, if you're going to put yourself under the law, then you've got to do it all. What's the problem? can't (laughs) the law the law it tells you what to do but there's no power to do it you see you don't need to know what to do you need the power to be able to do it the law gives you no power to do that and so paul is pointing out that if you want to place yourself back under the law you had better hope that you keep every bit of it because you are cursed if you don't keep it all again he's he's bringing this argument he's trying to take him back scripturally saying look this way you want to go understand what you're doing to yourself and he goes on, he goes, says, so if you're honest, you should fully understand that you have not kept all the law. If you're honest with yourself, you haven't done it all. And again, James, James is writing 20 years after this, okay? So the words of James aren't actually on the scene right now as he's writing to the folks in Galatia, because Galatia, we're talking about you know, early 48 or so, and James is not written until later on in about uh, 68. All right, so, so James puts it this way, but whoso keepeth the whole law, and yet offendeth in one point, he is guilty of what? All. Why? What's the consequence for breaking one point? Death. Why death. way you sin is death. You sin once, you deserve to die. What if you sin nine times? You deserve what? Death. 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 What if you sin seven times? Death. What about three times? Death. What about two times? Death. You get it? If you break the law once, you're guilty of the curse of the law. Because the only way you get out of being guilty from the curse of the law is if you keep the whole thing. But nobody's kept the whole thing. And this is what Paul's saying. Nobody's done this. And you haven't either, Galatians. <laughs> you know? So nobody's done this. So when you go back under the law, do you understand what you're doing to yourself? You can't, you can't sustain that. Nobody has, except one. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, then verse number 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. Key statement there. No man is justified by the law in whose sight? God's sight. Now, everybody can get up here and proclaim his own goodness, you see, but the Bible says a faithful man who can find. You see, you can get up there and say, well, I've kept it all. Well, you can tell that to me. I won't believe you. You can tell that to somebody else. I don't think they'd believe you either. But the truth of the matter is, we're not the judge. It's the sight of God, you see, because God knows everything about everyone. So you can pull the wool over some people's eyes, but you can't pull the wool over God's eyes because he knows the whole story. He not only knows what you did, he knows why you did it. He knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. He knows it all. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows every single thing, every single sin you ever sinned. Somebody says, if I sin three times a day and live to 72 years of age, I will stand before God with 77,000 counts against me. Whoa. You can't remember those many. God knows them all. Ooh. You see what I'm saying? That's serious. But see, they're not taking this to account. Men say this before other men, but God knows everything about everyone. Ecclesiastes 7:20 says this. Here's another Old Testament scripture here, okay? For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. There it is. There's not, uh, you could go to Romans, but he's not arguing from Romans here because, you know, he's arguing from, this is earlier than Romans, actually. So he's arguing here from the Old Testament, but the Old Testament says there is not a just man. That means there's not a man on earth who's justified in the sight of God, who does good and never sins. Not, Not one, not one, he says, not one man. Now, we know Romans says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, okay, We know that it says that. And uh, Isaiah lets on to the fact that we're all sinners. So, and then Habakkuk, he goes on to say, here in verse number 11, he says, but it is evident no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Now, where does it say that? It says that in Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse number 4. It says, Behold, his soul shall be lifted up. It is not right upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse number 4. Again, Paul is quoting the Old Testament Scriptures to found this argument with the Galatians. Okay? The Galatians are wondering, you know, like Joe pointed out, you know, Paul wasn't part of the 12 apostles. How does Paul have this authority to say the things that he's saying? How can that be? Well, Paul was the apostle born out of due time. God had a mission for him. God knew who he was and where he studied. And God, Paul was awry in his understanding to begin with, but God got him back on track. And then Paul realized all these things that he learned. God, in other words, put the pieces all together so Paul finally understood what this thing was all supposed to work as. So Paul was very adept at pointing out how the law was supposed to work and how God meant for the plan to work. Because he had, he had the background, he had the information, he just misinterpreted it, you see. And now that he has the Spirit of God, he has this all together, you see, and he's able to make some very uh, uh, helpful arguments. Then number 12, verse number 12, it says, the law is not of faith. You say, what does that mean? Okay, basically saying is the law is not based on faith. God didn't make the law based on faith. The law is based on truth, okay? Not based on your faith. In other words, the law is not good for you because you believe it. Now, sometimes people will say that to me. I say, well, I don't believe that. I said, well, you haven't changed anything. <laughs> you go down the highway and, and it's 65, 45 miles an hour. And you say, well, I don't believe it. Well, go ahead. Go with how fast you want to. And when that guy pulls you over, just go ahead and tell him that. Well, I just didn't believe it was 45. Okay, let me write you a ticket. (laughs) You know, you can go to the judge and tell him that. No, just because you don't believe it doesn't change the fact, you see. The law is the law whether you believe it or not. It doesn't matter whether you believe it. Faith is not a matter of the law. The law is not dependent upon faith. The law is the law, you see. God said, this is the way it is. That's the way it is. I don't believe it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I tell that to people a lot of times. They said to me, well, I don't believe that. I says, well, you haven't changed anything. (laughs) You really haven't. God's not intimidated by the fact you don't believe it. God's not gonna change his mind because you say you don't believe it. You see it's still true. Truth is truth whether you believe it or not. Two and two is four. No, it's not. It's five. It's four. No, it's five. I don't care. It's still four. (laughs) Whether you believe it or not, it's still four. Because truth is truth. It doesn't have to have your belief to make it truth. It's true because it's true. The law is true because God said it's true, not because you say it's true or you believe it's true. And so, basically, that's what the first statements talk about. The law is not of faith, okay? The origin of the law was not faith. Faith did not proceed, I mean, the law did not proceed from faith. The law proceeded from truth, okay? God's truth made the law. The law does not require faith. The law doesn't require faith. The law is the law, whether you believe it or not. And the law has nothing to do with faith, actually, because... It's either faith or works, you see what I mean? It's, it's the other, one or the other. So that's what that first statement refers to there, that the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. So the person who does the things prescribed by the law shall live in them. He's quoting Leviticus chapter number 18 and verse number 5, when he says, Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, for if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. Okay, so in other words... For you to prove that you, you're living in the law, you've got to do it. You see, that's, it sounds like it's redundant, but it really is in many respects. So if you're going to live in the law, you've got to do the things in the law. And that's what he's pointing out here. Then verse number 13, verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. All right, now he's saying, okay, you got yourself where you say, oh, I'm going to trust the law. That was never the point that God was trying to make. It's the faith of Abraham, the same faith that saved the people in all the different nations. Do you realize that when you put yourself under the law, you put yourself under the curse of the law? And so he's arguing from that point right there. And then he gets to the fact that he says, you know what happens if you don't keep all the law? Well, you end up getting the same consequence that anybody who breaks it at any point. And then he goes on to say that if you're going to live that way, you've got to do exactly what the law says. Then he comes to verse 13, for Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. In other words, the curse is present. That's what you don't want. And that's what Christ redeemed us from because Christ did keep all the law. Christ kept all the law from the beginning to the end. He kept every bit of the law, every 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 part of the law. He fulfilled all the law. All the law of righteousness was fulfilled in Christ. So he became... A suitable sacrifice none of us can I can't die for you you can't die for me you say why because we've all got our own sin on ourselves. I can't die for Glenn Glenn can't die for me Gunn's got his sins I got my sins I'm in debt he's in debt I can't die for him he can't die for me I can't die for you you can't die for me well then how can Christ do it because he had no sin he had no debt he has no debt before God no debt in the sight of God he was a perfect holy without blemish Son of God, spotless. So now he is able to be a perfect sacrifice. Remember when Abraham went up to the to the uh, uh, took Isaac up there, and then remember what God said. You know, Abraham said to his son, "God shall provide Himself a lamb." That's what he said to his son. Abraham somehow knew that God was going to make that provision. That was a prophetic statement that he made. And God did provide himself a lamb. And John the Baptist, as soon as he saw him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. So all the way from Genesis, all the way to the New Testament, the lamb, you see, that perfect, spotless lamb was pictured of Christ, who would one day come and die. What were the animals died for? Because it was a picture to help you to understand what God was going to do one day. And then when Christ came on the scene, he was that Lamb of God. And he died for the sins of all mankind. And why could he? Because he was perfect. He could satisfy the righteous demands of a holy God. Because he was perfect. Why can't we? Because we're not. We're not. So then what happens when you trust Christ? God takes his perfect record and puts it on your account. And you are in Christ. (laughs) Not having your own righteousness, which is of the law. None of us can claim our own righteousness. Because our own righteousness is tainted. We don't have any righteousness if it's not perfect it's not righteousness it's unrighteousness so god took the righteousness of christ and imputed it to roscoe's account because roscoe believed that christ died for him he put his faith in the finished work of christ god took his perfect record put it on roscoe's record god took roscoe's sins and Christ died on the cross to pay for Roscoe's sins. And that's the same for every single one of you who put your full faith in Christ. God put His righteousness on you, God took your sins, and it was on Christ, and Christ died for your sins. That's why we say we're in Christ, you see? Not having our own righteousness, which is of the law. We're in Christ, in Christ. You see, God, He was our representative. He was, He was, uh, He was, um, uh, what's the word, what's the word? Oh, anyway. Uh, So, that's what we have to understand here. So, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. In other words, in our place. He was made a curse in our place. We deserve the curse. Why? Because we broke the law. We didn't keep it. He was made a curse for us. Why could He do it? Because He didn't have the curse on Him. We had the curse on us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. And that's a quote from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 through 23. It says, And if any man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain on all night in the tree, but thou shalt in any way wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. And so it goes right back to that Old Testament scripture that's a foundation for that statement. You see, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And that's what they did. They took Christ and they hung him on a tree. And that's how they killed him. And so so we have six parts to this argument. So he's saying, don't you understand? That's why Christ died. That's how you have the salvation. Christ was the curse in your place. And so basically he takes the Old Testament scriptures and he provides an argument to show them, this is now how your faith began. Just like it did for Abraham. You had the same faith as in Abraham. And it's all, you see, it, it's not you're doing of the law, it's you're putting your faith in the one who did all the law, and it's Christ. And he died in your place. And now that you have salvation, you have it because you're in Christ, not because you do anything yourself. So it's of faith. Verse number 14 says, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Remember, the Galatians are Gentiles. All right? Through Jesus Christ, that we might receive this promise of the Spirit through what? Faith. faith. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit, born again. We might have that promise, how? Through faith. He brings us right back to where he said, he takes that argument, goes all the way from Genesis and starts it and brings us all the way through the Old Testament and brings us right back to the very fact that we have it, you see, through faith. It's the promise, it's the blessing of Abraham. In thee shall all the nations be blessed. The faith that you had is the same faith that everybody has to have so that they can be blessed in Christ. So, that's the understanding. And I know we kind of ran through it pretty quickly, but nonetheless, Paul is, and this is just the second of his argument. He has six different arguments here in Galatians 3 and 4. This is just the second one. First, it's the personal argument, and then the scriptural argument, and then he's going to give us, again, uh, from here, he's going to go to the uh, the logical argument. I thought the last one was pretty logical, but nonetheless, he, he, he logics us through the whole situation. So, all that to say, listen, folks, you're saved, you're saved by faith. Amen? And by the way, if you want to grow, you're going to grow by faith because faith is the basis of your salvation, and faith is what's going to cause your your sanctification to continue to be a blessing in your life. All right, let's go to prayer, and then we'll finish up in about 11 minutes or so, and then my wife will play the piano, and we'll be on our way home.